Hi, it's Brian. And it's Jay. With the BNA podcast. Second episode. Do we need to explain what, explain what BNA is? We do. Is we have to explain what BNA is. And um, it's not, it's almost unguessable. It is, but <laughs> but it's it's part of the Nashville history, the <laughs> Very charm much so. of Nashville, in that uh, Nashville's old airport was Berryfield, Nashville, and uh, so BNA when they were handing out those codes uh, was related to Berryfield, Nashville, and that's where we got it from. And by the way, I was just in our newly upgraded one point eight billion dollar upgraded airport this past week. Yes, uh, and. It's pretty swanky. I understand we have two terminals. We have now. two. We we have two completely separate terminals, and you can't get from one to the other right now. You will be able to, but no, you can't okay. right now because they're doing construction on what they're going to call like the grand old the Concourse foyer or something. Or something. Like yeah, it's yeah. Got, they call it the grand old something, but yeah. it's like, um, but it's really funny because the there's a thing going on about the carpeting. Oh, yeah, because we've had that famous ugly carpeting for a while. Yes. Folks were fixated on that. People were really understood. super fixated on on this carpeting. And if you are listening to this, um, which I uh, we openly accept is unlikely, but if you are, yes. um, you should go online and look up Nashville Airport carpeting. Two funny things. Number one, there will be things about it where people are adoring of it. You'll look at it and you'll wonder why. Number two, you can now buy... As part of a fundraiser mm-hmm. for our $1.8 billion upgraded airport, as part of a fundraiser, yes. you can buy a welcome mat for your house with B&A and the new kind of carpet. It's a square of it, like okay. a two by three foot square or whatever it would be for a welcome gotcha. mat. You can go buy yourself some and have it right at your front door and it says B&A on it. Oh, that so would be cool. You have to be a really dedicated airport fan yes, to buy well. one of these. Um, but that was part of the article that I read about the Spe- carpeting. Speaking of which, the whole airport structure in Nashville and the authority and all that would be a good topic for yeah, us. Yeah, to we talk have to look into that. That's a good one. Uh, it's an I noticed when they put thing. some country singer on the airport board this past year. Right. I don't remember which one it was because they're all the same. But right. the I was like, now there are country singers that are smart enough to be on boards of things. Right. The odds of our government infrastructure identifying which one of them it is sure it's not a dependable measure yeah yeah, probably not yeah well there's some interesting things about the authority how it's sort of quasi-governmental that also relates to my own passion around nashville general hospital but that's that's a whole nother show (laughs) yeah yeah we got this is um this is we'll call this one the topic episode the topic episode. we'll just do an introduction and come up with new topics so we got the airport we got nashville general hospital yeah um and then my recurring theme which is why does nashville have low self-esteem yeah as a city we'll keep we'll keep on that i'm sure that will uh continue we can even call it the low self-esteem podcast right so I think we're uh, talking today about the Nashville Council, which or Metro Council, as we would call it, which uh, one of our previous, uh, um, what do they call them, vice mayors, yes. Uh, yes. called the council, called them 40 jealous whores. 40 jealous whores. Yes. It's, uh, they didn't have a lot of... Mostly old white boy whores, by the way, just for those of you that are keeping score at home. Yeah. It's, it's, got, it's diversified it's some diversified in the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, um, but at the time he said it, not so much. Not so much. But uh, it's been uh, a question since uh, Nashville as a metro government. For those who don't know... Yeah, Nash- you got to bring us up to speed on the... Metro government thing. So somebody told me when I moved to Nashville, back to Nashville, I should right. say, 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, that, well, we were the only 
municipality in the United States with this particular form of government. And yes. I was like, that's not possible. I mean, surely somebody else. And then surely I looked at it and it was like, nope, it is pretty, it's pretty unique. unique. It's pretty unique. <laughs> uh, basically what was done back in the late 1950s, uh, 1960s was this. And it was for those who wonder what Briley Parkway, uh, actually, as Google would call it, Briley Parkway, <laughs> Briley Parkway is named after Beverly Briley, who was the first mayor of, of Nashville. It was Davidson a boy, County. Beverly, by the way. It was. Uh, and an old um, white man. So what w happened is that there was this decision made rather, basically what we used to have is what a lot of locations have. You have Nashville as a city, and then in the surrounding Davidson County, there were all sorts of these other little municipalities. And somewhere, some for some reason, I think probably to obtain power, um, there was a decision made to move towards a metropolitan form of governance with, by which Nashville and the county would become one. They so uh, moves were made in the city to combine basically Nashville City and Davidson County into one organizational unit. And um, one of the things that had to happen in order to get that to happen was uh, a lot of things were sort of given to these municipalities. A lot of power was given to these municipalities so that um, they would have some skin in the game. They didn't want to give up control of their areas. And so one of the things that was done was that they created a lot of council districts so that they would um, still have representation from their community in this whole metro government. And, so our um, entire cluster beep of a of a council is based on the fact that Lakewood wanted their own guy. Exactly. Got it. Well, and you got to understand Lakewood, Berry Hill, sure. all, Bell Mead. But Berry Hill's not on the council, right? Uh, Berry Hill. Is Berry Hill and Bell Mead. They don't have a seat now. I thought they're they, separate cities. I think they got. I think they're excluded. No, they're they're in Metro. They also do have council representation. Oh, that's so weird. And so yeah, that's. I what just always assumed since they had their own city government, city hall, and mayor. No, it's that it's they like, were separate. They have. That's what's so weird about this yes, whole thing. Yeah, that's very weird. And so, so there are certain areas that have their own mayors. Lakewood was one. Yeah, uh, yeah. but Lakewood also had. Like it certainly had its own jail. It certainly had its yes. own jail and its own cops and all that kind of stuff, which they decided to get rid of. So this really has to do with the history. The reason we've got 40 people on the council, which wow. is just unique oh. uh, from anyone, is based out of the history uh, of, of this metro governance of trying to put everything under one umbrella for the entire county. That's why we have a metro police department right. that represents the whole county, a metro school district. So rather than having... And a lot of people now, when I did my research, when I first moved here and people told me that, oh, they got this really weird form of government. And like, okay. Um, I started doing research. But now a lot of people have metro police and metro schools and metro stuff because metro is kind of a generic term for any place mm -hmm. with humans in a city. Um, but I did do some research this morning just because I was just curious after reading about all these things. So the city of Denver, the city population of Denver is about 620,000 people and the metro area is about 1.9 million people. I'm sorry, 3 million people. I'm, that's ours. I was reading ours instead of mm -hmm. theirs. So 620,000 in the city, 3 million in the metro area. And they have 11 council seats. Right with two at large. Then they have, um, in the city of Austin, there are 2.2 million in the metro area, 965,000 of which are in the city proper. They have 10 members in their city council. And Charlotte, also one of the cities that Nashville often competes with and is compared to, 
has a city population of 886,000, a uh, metro area of 2 million people, and they have 12. So it seems that there's a theme. Oh, well, certainly. And if you look at the school board for metro, again, same amount of area, but what are there, 12 seats on the school board? Right. Something like that, a 10 or 12, and maybe less than that. Uh, you know, there, there are arguments that can be made both ways. I mean, one of the arguments about 40 people is it's just unwieldy. That's part of what brought up this conversation. Yeah. Uh, Metro Council meets every other Tuesday night. They've been meeting online via Zoom or one of the systems, uh, maybe Teams, I don't know. I don't know which one. Um, but their meetings during this COVID crisis have gone until one, two, three. I think they have one that went to 4 a.m. And some of that was related to technology, but some of that is just the unwieldy, you know, you, it, in order to allow 40 people to speak, uh, it just takes time. Yeah. And when you were having me live meetings, it's really up to the vice mayor to be able to say, oh, I'm not going to recognize that person. You know, they can just turn their head away and not recognize somebody. Whereas in an online setting, it's impossible to not recognize. And everybody it. can see what everybody's doing. Everybody can see what everybody's doing. Which is so, never good in government, evidently. So that's one of the downsides of it. And I think it's a big downside. The, the advantage, I think some would say, of having... Uh, that is you get really good local service. I mean, in the sense of the water stops working here in Old Hickory, people call up Larry Hagar. Hey, Larry. And, hey, Larry. And say, would you get this, get my water turned back on? Uh, stuff like that. So what, what really kind of makes that interesting, I think makes it difficult for local council people, is that they are on the hook all the time for the kind of smallest of problems. And because it's such a a small area that they're dealing with, folks feel like, well, of course it's okay to call up Larry or Nancy or, or Tanya. And well, everybody knows them. Everybody, you know, I yeah. mean, uh, and I won't call out anybody in particular, but if you live in a particular district and you know what bar your councilman goes to, you just go there and sit at the bar next to him. Exactly. Uh, and, and, you which, know, get your grievances is an, heard, which, which is, is really a good thing. Yeah, it's fine. You know, yeah. depending on what time you go. Right. Right. If you get there before eight, it's probably yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It gets a little later. It's like uh, yeah, well, you end know. up getting, you know, it'd be interesting for them to actually present at the next council meeting, like the slurred version of what you said. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I think one of the things that folks have to understand or, or that can be helpful. I, I've lived now in two kind of major areas of Nashville, Antioch, and now uh, work in the Madison area. And one of the things that I recognize in the Madison area where I am is I have four council, four or five council people I have to interact with. So if anything happens, even though I'm in a particular council district, I just know if it's Madison related, I got to get these four or five people. When in Antioch, it was seven, um, which again can be a good thing if communities are able to organize and get their council people to be on the same wavelength. That's just hard to do. And a yeah. lot of communities Ugh. are not able to do that. Yes. And I mean, you know, Nashville's an interesting city. Yeah. The... That, that just goes back to me that whenever I hear about those kind of things in any whatever government, whether it's state or federal or local, it's like, all right, that sounds like something happened in the absence of leadership again. Well, right? nobody yeah. stood up and said, hey, I get it. Everybody wants to have a councilman. But honestly, we just can't have 40 because it doesn't work. Well, so I, now we've had well, how yeah. long has it been? It hasn't been 1960. Right. So it's. There? 
there's been plenty of time to decide whether or not it works or not. I mean, that's the problem, though. Institutions are hard to change structures, oh, and uh, and it's it's just impossible to get it done. And back in the day, in order to get the thing to pass, they probably had to do it. Um, the question is, is that still a viable structure for us now? But here's the problem. Part of what happens with so many council people is that actually waters down the power of the council to right. sort of be a check and balance against the mayor. And the Metro Charter, uh, the Nashville Metro Charter, gives the mayor a, an extreme amount of power to basically run the city. And so the mayor's doesn't want to change anything because they still have a little bit more power. Um, with a with a dispersed council the way we have as opposed to if they just were dealing with 10 or 12 people sure it's like trying to get term limits in congress it's exactly. like there's only 435 people on the planet that can vote for them right and those are the 435 people that absolutely do not want to see them happen although we do have term limits on the council yeah we got them here which is weird it is a little because what we do is we have term limits on council and the reason a lot of this came up by the way is because we have term limits so and i don't know what it is it's like three terms or something it's two Two terms. So you can do four years. Yeah. You can do. But that four years on the council comes no, with some cool stuff. I think it's a three year. Is it a three year term? So yeah. six years. Six years. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. I, I haven't looked, but that makes sense. It's a little different. So in our particular case of the district that Brian and I share in, we had a council person that was appointed because he was filling right. the term of another per, a person that had resigned. And so he and he's going to end up being a little bit longer than that six year period. Right. But, um, but ideally two terms. The, the argument against that, and I, there is some logic in this that I kind of agree with, is that being a council person is a difficult job because you're having to deal with things like zoning issues right. and land use issues and how property's being done. And in a metro area like ours, in a city like ours, there are lots of complicated questions around those yes, there are. things. And so it takes a little while to learn what all that means and how to get stuff done. So there's an argument made that you get through your first term, you finally figured out how the right. city works, and then you've only got another Then you're term. done, right. Then and I, done. I noticed that when, um, over a few years, I watched how the process of the Airbnb and short-term rental legislation went through the council, and I was, I was, I was mortified mm -hmm. by the stupidity of the process. And that's one of the things that got me interested in what was going on with the council and how it worked and, and how Nashville's government worked. Because I would have these conversations with our council person, which is Larry Hagar right now. He's, he's terming out, but, um, but he's a good guy. But he lives in a incredibly secluded, exceptionally wealthy community on Old Hickory Lake. Right. And his, the, you know, the squeaky wheels in his world mm -hmm. are in Hermitage and Old Hickory. These are, these are the most extremely outlying areas of the Nashville metro area that's literally from my backyard i can hit a nine iron into the next county pretty much um well you because it you, starts at the water you're you're hitting a really good nine iron i can't no it's not very can, far here yeah. we're really close okay. i mean i can hit nine iron about um a hundred yards and change and we're maybe 200 feet from it's, the water it's a big lake though. yeah big lake but the lake's all in true. the next county true that's so true. the very first drop of water is is i guess it's is it rutherford county that uh, way? No, no, that's uh, Sumner. Oh, no, Sumner, Sumner. County's that way. Yeah. They're all the same to me. Which, by the way, is on my show notes. Yes. Is something that people in the South need to understand is you're the only people in the world that use counties mm -hmm. as conversational geographic markers. 
Right. Nowhere else in the world, unless it's sort of, unless there's something mega famous about it. Right. Right. In like, if you're in New York City. Right. And somebody says something about Suffolk County. Mm-hmm. It's because there's something particularly famous about that county. Right. But they have no idea what the name of the county they live in is. I did not know. I did look at some point mm-hmm. in my life and I have a good memory. So I remember. But I didn't know it was Los Angeles County. I kind of assumed when I lived in Los Angeles that it probably had some other name. Right. But it does not. It is actually just Los Angeles County, which is kind of boring. Um and then you go to Ventura County and Santa Barbara County above it. And the only reason I know what those are is because they're named after the only city of significance in those places. And so, so here's the question. In, in, I don't have any idea which direction, right, yeah. um, counties are. So, so in um, the L.A. area, do folks talk about zip codes? Because there used to be a time here folks would be no, but, 37115 versus 37138. Right, versus. not much. I mean, there was a couple of zip codes. Once again, like Beverly Hills, yeah. 90210. You might yeah. remember that yeah. one. That, that one became famous in and of itself. Um, I can assure you nobody has ever had a conversation about the zip code I lived in. Gotcha. Right? It's just not interesting, right? It's yeah, like, well, you know. <laughs> but, so that's a thing, right? The county thing is a thing. But... The uh, I forget why we started talking about this. It was it was uh, Metro Council. We were talking. All right, about we're in the far edge of it, right? We're in the far so edge. Yeah. Now a hundred percent, right, of the Airbnbs that were being discussed in the council, right, are in about three neighborhoods, but they're all right in the urban center of the city. They right. are in three council districts right. downtown. Um, there's like a long around Vanderbilt, West End area, Belmont, sure. that whole cluster, East Nashville, and the the nations. Uh, 12 South is included in that Belmont, mm-hmm. uh, Vanderbilt area. But this is where they had problems. Right. The problems were very specific. The problem was that people would rent one of these things. They'd have 24 bachelorettes come stay in a three-bedroom house, drunker than Cooter Brown and all his minions, staying up till 4 o'clock in the morning, naked on the balcony in the hot tub, screaming and playing music. Right. Now, as attractive an idea as that is to me... Evidently, the neighbors didn't enjoy it. It, it, it. You know, if you're raising kids, it's a problem. Exactly, yeah. right? You got to get the kids up for um, to get them over to school. That's going to be a problem. So I get it. So the police chief, now the former police chief, Steve Anderson. That's another episode. Yeah, it is. But he went to the city council uh, when this first came up, and he said, I'm not going to answer those calls anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just refusing because right. our chief of police in, in Nashville has never had a boss, evidently. Um and he just said, he patently said, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, then they had to start making laws that were insane and horrible. And so what they did is they made these insane, horrible, impossible laws for individuals. So if you or I wanted to get an Airbnb license in Nashville, the chances of that happening were very low by the sure. end. I mean, you had to be either zoned commercial, multifamily, 13 units and above, blah, blah, blah. Right. There were a bunch of things. So this, all this stuff happened because the police chief said, I refuse to do my job. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you guys are going to have to pass legislation that does this. Then people like Larry that live a full 20 miles away from the problem and have never seen it, all they know is that the people in their district have read about Airbnbs in Chicago in the newspaper and said, well, we don't want them around here, Larry. That's awful. Yeah. So Larry was like, he became this super like wildly vocal anti-Airbnb guy. Right. And I would get in arguments with him all the time. I'm like, Larry... We don't have any damn air. We need some. Right. We desperately need we, Airbnbs we, we in our neighborhood. Nobody's going to build a hotel out here. Right. There's nothing to do. Right. 
So we need just a handful. We don't need 200, no. but we could use 10. We, we could. Right? <laughs> you actually, know? actually, it'd make a lot of... Back, back in the day, when Why, I was yes. the president of the Chamber of Commerce <laughs> in the area, you know, we talked about that. There are two golf... There are three golf courses. Three golf courses. And a lake. It's really good tourist destination. Great place to come hang out. Yeah. And the only place you can stay right now is at Hermitage Golf Course. They have built cabins. They have built. And they're beautiful, and they're insanely expensive, right? They're, they're $350 a night. There are a couple of Airbnbs, but they're there are a couple. Ex- they're exp- expensive. Uh, they're also very expensive. Uh, and there are a couple. Like I said, there's uh, I know of four or five in the area, all of which I'm sure they're all gone now, but there, there were before the pandemic. So so part of this brings up, again, part of a, a met. There are lots of traditions around the Metro Council. So there's this whole thing that's called councilmanic courtesy. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. You could call it council maniac courtesy. I'm not I like sure. That. Yeah, I support uh, that. But basically... The whole notion is if a council person comes and brings a zoning issue or brings some issue related to their district, you don't oppose it. We're Southern. We say yes. We say yes. Right. We we say we say yes. So even if you think it's bad for the city, there's sometimes this movement of, well, you know, I'm going to scratch their back because they're on some. And again, back to the 40 people. Right. The uh, in a 10 person council. Yeah. Where someone represents a diverse and large swath of the city right they're not, they're not going to bring forth a zoning request for approval right. that clearly goes against the other people that are sitting at what is basically a large table at applebee's sure. at that point right we're sure. we're looking each other right in the eye right um there's just so much more um accountability I think that's in a smaller group, you know. I think that's right. I think that's right. And again, this goes back to my earlier argument. If you can get, okay, so take Antioch for example, that has seven council people. Right. If, if you can get them to be on the same page, that actually gives them a great amount of power. Now, what's interesting is to see how difficult it is to get them on the same page. Uh, you know, when I was in Antioch, we had uh, you know w- one part of the district that was super, super conservative. You know, no tax, no whatever, and then another part of the district that was pretty progressive and um, had urban issues and had the most diverse community right. in the world. So it, it's hard to get folks on on board, but it actually gives communities power if you can do it. Right, right. Now I can see, yeah, it'd be great if you could get seven council members to agree on something and bring it up and put it on the floor. They're going to win and prevail most of the time. The, you know, as I watch these things happen, I remember one of the things that came up a few years ago and like all these things will trigger other Mm -hmm. and further conversations and research. But I remember at the same time, this is a Nashville council problem. Mm -hmm. At the same time, that the full council and the mayor's office was trying to close 8th Avenue down to two lanes of traffic. Right. Put a bus lane and or bike paths on, and bike paths right. on 8th Avenue, which is a very dense, busy area. And a major commuter route in and out of downtown Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to put kind of a bus lane, not really a bus lane, but kind of a bus lane and so bike sure. lanes there and close it down to two lanes. Right. At the same time, they issued no less than four massive building permits. Exactly. That went all the way up to the edge of the street. Sure. Making it impossible mm-hmm. for them to implement the thing that they had on the table to do. Right. And that's one of those things, too. That can only happen when this, you know, sort of 
council courtesy problem occurs. Exactly. Where 40 people went, I don't care where they put their damn apartment building. Like right. if you live in Hermitage, do you really care how close to the sidewalk an 8th Avenue South 200 right. unit apartment building is? No, you don't. Right. Right. And guess what? Neither do 36 other council people because mm-hmm. they never go there. Right. So who that, cares? No, that I think that's exactly right. And And then the ancillary issues that come up with that are countywide issues. So, okay, right. we're going to put in these um, developments that are going to add, uh, well, i give an example. There's a proposed development in Madison across the street from the church I work at um, where they're going to add a thousand units of housing. But that has implications for schools, that has implications for infrastructure, that has implications well, for Well, but you guys are lucky because you don't have any traffic. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yes. <laughs> yes, Gallatin. You know, Gallatin Road in your neighborhood yeah. is one of the five worst places, in all, certainly in Tennessee, maybe in the southeastern United States for traffic. It's the worst planned and worst executed I I've ever have, seen. I do have to say, as much as I regret the COVID outbreak, the way that it has affected traffic on Gallatin Road. It's still horrible on Gallatin Road. It's still Road, terrible at due less, west, and it's, uh, there, it's there are three places. By the way, if you li- I can't imagine anybody listening to us that doesn't live in Nashville, but if you live in Nashville and you have the opportunity, since there's nothing else to do right now, right. go drive up Gallatin Road. What you'll notice is uh, from downtown all the way to Rivergate, there are three crucial mm-hmm. uh, traffic um, clusters that are impossible to explain right. in 2020. Yeah. Because a fifth grade class with a stopwatch could do a better job of timing the lights on Gallatin Road than our city. Well, I say city planning. We don't actually have a city planning. We have a department called city planning, but they're not actually in the planning department. Right. Um, they're the, um, there's some sort of weird Traffic cults. Are public works. Are there public works? Yes. The timing is? I think it is. I, that which seemed to me to be the implementation of the timing should be public works. I think the, the whole planning thing is should work. be yeah, yeah, it's like it's so so schizo here. Yeah. But the deal is that if you pull up to any given stoplight in Madison between Briley Parkway and Rivergate, you will stop for an inordinate amount of time while looking at a green light, usually some 30 yards ahead of you, um, that is changing independent of the one that you're sitting at. So that one at Due West on the one side, the one at Neely's next to you, and the one at Old Hickory Boulevard, that cluster is just epically bad. Oh, just wait, because they're about to change the intersection at Neely's. They're extending Neely's across the street. and have it, Yeah, it's... It, it'll, it'll be good route. To How get are they going to gonna do that City with the Bojangles? Bar. Yeah, no. Well, they're between the Bojangles and the Hardies. There is a right of way for them to put a road. Yeah, it's uh, eight feet wide. It's right? a little wider than that, but not much. Yeah, I know what you mean, but it's like uh, there's not a lot of elbow room. No, which is something Nashville but, has to do. But, and I, I bring this up because, and I, I mentioned this when we were talking early on, and that was in London, in the city of London. Mm-hmm. There is a new train that's opened mm-hmm. uh, in London, England, that goes from Heathrow Airport to downtown. Mm -hmm. This was built over the past few years. Mm -hmm. Now, London is one of the largest cities in the world. And they just built an underground train from 20 miles outside of town into the center of town. Mm -hmm. You know how they did that? How? They've had the right of way for 150 years. (laughs) So if you build a building in the last 150 years, you are not allowed to go through that right of way underground. Oh, wow. 
Nashville has no such things. No, no, we don't. We have no planning. We have no, no plans for the future. Um, matter of fact, uh, I believe that it may be because of this nostalgia gate, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. But um, we have a nostalgia problem in Nashville, and it's mm-hmm. like all anyone that's lived there their entire lives, they only want one thing. Mm-hmm. Old Nashville. Sure. Right? And uh, that's true of a lot of cities, but Nashville has a particularly rich cultural history. And because of its very specific, rich cultural history, people fight for it really hard. You know, it's like this is Music City and we've made it. We made it illegal. The city council, 40, uh, what are they called? 40 whores? 40 jealous whores. 40 jealous whores made it illegal up until mm, two months ago Mm -hmm. to be a musician recording in your own home in Davidson County. It's been illegal for a long time. And the biggest guitar player in the city of Nashville moved to Williamson County so he could continue to work as a musician in the country music business. Right. Because the city of Nashville made it illegal. That's our wonderful city. Isn't it? it? Right. And the same guys are all standing on the corner screaming, we need our old city back. There's too many damn Yankees here. Well, you know, I mean, I think part of it, it, Nashville, old Nashville, and I've lived here long enough to remember old Nashville. As you said, there is a, there is a little bit of a self-esteem problem, but there, there also was this reality is Nashville was really was a small town. Very definitely. Uh, You know, and, and. You know, we have a similar instance, the kind of thing in the church that I, going, sorry to bring religion. No, it's okay, because I have a great alcoholic uh, explanation, too. It'll okay, well, well, the church <laughs> explanation is, is that they talk about the 200 people in worship plateau, that churches have a hard time going beyond 200 people. The ones that do it, do it well, um, but... Th- for a lot of churches, and trust me, in Nashville, there are a lot of churches. Lots. You'll look, and the majority of them are 200 people or less. Right. Why? Because it changes the nature of the church to go over that barrier. And um, where before everybody could know one, one, one another, suddenly, I, I have a friend of mine that's in a pastor of a mega church, and he talks about, well, you know, we just become a small denomination. We, you know, right. We're multiple congregations in one building. Um, and I think that's part of what happens with Nashville. It's get on the one hand, everybody loves having a stadium and football and sure. and you know good restaurants and all that kind of stuff. On the flip side, we can't be a small town anymore. And Correct. I think right. that's what what is. Yeah, you can't have big town amenities in a small town. And, I think that's right. And one of the things about Nashville is that it's very much still a small town wearing big city clothing, right? right? And we we make a joke about that in recovery that people are when people start using drugs or alcohol abusively, they sort of stunt their emotional growth at whatever age that begins. Mm -hmm. And Nashville, first of all, Nashville is a very hardcore alcohol-driven town. Uh, For for a city with as many churches as we have, uh, the only thing we have more of is is drunk people. Well, faith kind of leads you to the drink. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a bad church experience will make you an alcoholic and a a good church experience will will make you work with alcoholics. And then there are plenty to work with here. Let's just be really clear. Plenty, plenty of opportunity. But the we have this sort of stunted emotional growth in Nashville that persists, right? We're still stuck in this mentality that we're just a small southern town where everybody knows everybody and we can run into you at the Piggly Wiggly and say hi. And the which makes us a very neighborhood-driven town. You know, people will talk about, I make a joke about people in the South talk about what county they're from, you know. Mm-hmm. And people do this to me all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly in our neighborhood is very old school Tennessee and people say, well, I'm from blah, blah, blah County. And I'm like, well, there's, there you go. Yeah. I don't know what the hell that means. I don't know if it's East, West, North. I have nothing, you know? Right. But since there are only four cities in the entire state, you have to say counties because who would know if they said, you know, I'm 
I'm from, there's some great ones, Hohenwald. Hohenwald. Uh, that's great. a good one, yeah. But we have this thing that persists of sort of, it, it makes it feel like a toddler trying to be in high school. You know, we make these kind of silly decisions. And, uh, and that's the thing I think it's fun to look at for us. Uh, we have the best, you know, both, Jay and I both have the best desire in the, uh, for the best intentions, I guess I should say, but the, for Nashville to become a great city and still maintain the character that made it interesting in the first place. Right. Um, and that's the only way it will become a great city. Nashville is growing during the pandemic where other large cities are shrinking during mm -hmm. the pandemic. This is a great place to have children. Right. It's a great place to, to work. It's a great place tax-wise. There's a whole bunch of great stuff about it. But at the same time, we got some work to do. We do. And uh, we're going to have some fun calling people out right. on some of the things that we think they need to work on. Right. And uh, this week, I was sort of impassioned by the fact that our council went to 2 a.m. again yesterday, or this morning, and um, got almost nothing accomplished. The, they are working, by the way, on making it, passing a law, mm -hmm. right, or a, whatever you call it when the council passes an something. An ordinance, yes. They're... they're um, trying to pass an ordinance that allow any city employee to issue citations for violation of a public health order. Mm -hmm. So I only bring this up because I really couldn't care less because I don't violate the public health order. But I bring it up because it takes three readings for something to happen. So that's six weeks minimum. Six weeks minimum. That's the very minimum. That's if it makes the top of the agenda for, right. for three meetings in a row. So... It is the first week of September. I'm kind of hoping that by the time they can pass that, mm -hmm. it's not a very important ordinance. We would hope that. Yeah. But given our history so far, who knows? I'm, hmm. I'm a little worried about what's going to happen in the fall when people have to can't go outside. And right, right. When it starts getting cold, gets, right? Get, Everybody's cold. inside. And uh, I did want to report some good news. They did spend, they did distribute $2 million to small venues, um, how this all happens, by the way, the devil's in the details, as always. They did approve $2 million to be distributed mm -hmm. to, um, to venues that do under $5 million a year in revenue. Right. That was the cap. I think they probably could have dropped that down to two. And, I think, yeah. Right? You know what I mean? And, I and so. captured more of the important places and given more help where needed. Uh, but I know it's something that you've been interested in. Oh, you know, absolutely. I mean, I think it's... Uh, you know, a lot of the small neighborhood bars and places, you know, I, I have one in particular that I'm good friends with the owners and it's kind of become my family place and my place to go. I don't know if you can call it a family place, although I could yeah, it is kind of a kids. bar, but right. I have all of our kids, kids are adults, it's, right? It's, it's a dive bar. What can I say? <laughs> my youngest but, daughter will be 21 next month. Yeah, so exactly. it's like, you can go anywhere so, you so want. So it's a fam family bar. Right, it's family for but, us. Uh, but all of this to say, you know, they've really worked hard to try to um, maintain social distancing and do things in a safe manner and all that. And of course they were shut down when the downtown folks didn't want to do that. So, um, so yeah, I'm glad they're getting some assistance. They definitely need some assistance along the way. And, um, you know, it, the council going till three, 4 a.m., I, I do have, to, I want to, it's easy to pick on the council, yeah. but I also want to acknowledge these are people that are getting basically paid $12,000 a year who have full-time jobs as council people. They yeah. are, uh, they're called all the time uh, about, 
you know, various little things where government falls short, the, the trash, where I know we're going to talk about in the future, but uh, trash doesn't get picked up, the council person's called. Plus, then they're giving up two nights a month where they are spending hours, and that's just the council meetings. That doesn't include no the prep. committee. Right. No have, committees and no they prep. They have committees. Right. The day right. So they're spending um, an amazing amount of time um, serving the city, and I really do think they are serving the city. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's a thankless job. Um, now, I know we're, we can talk about the whole insurance thing. That's going to be coming up. That may be for another episode, too. Yes. But, um, but the fact is, is that, you know, I, I give them kudos for being willing to stay up until 2, 3, 4 in the morning to get the job done. On the flip side, I hate that we, they have to do that. Right. Uh, and some of that has to do with the unwieldiness of the structure, the fact that they have to go through three readings to get something passed, um, that... Um, by having 40 of them, you got to allow all 40 the opportunity to speak, and then you have to have public hearings and things like that that just make it uh, difficult um, to manage the city in, in the way that it needs to be managed. Yeah, it's uh, kind of, <laughs> it really is a cluster right now. Yeah. It, and that's, of course, just because of COVID. I mean, they, they did have meetings that stopped before midnight, right. you know, all the way up until March of this year. Um, and... I agree with it. First of all, it's a, it's a horrible, thankless job. There is the issue of they get uh, just something for you guys to chew on. A lot of people may not know this, but they do get lifetime health care provided by the metro government. Right. After they've served two terms, two terms. So if you serve the two terms that you're term limited at, then you have health care the rest of your life. Right. Um, not a huge issue for some of them, but there's a lot more to unpack there, and we're going to do that in the future. But I will say this. Thanks to anybody that serves their city. Um, you know, even if I don't like your decisions, I do like the fact that you're doing it. And uh, I have I have disagreed uh, vocally with uh, our city leaders and, and mayors in the past. Uh, I will continue to do that whenever I think it's important or I feel like there's a, a point of view that needs to be represented. But at the same time, I'm in awe of people that, you know, put their lives in such disarray to go do a, a job that thankless, you know, it's uh, so, you know, kudos to everybody that does it. And exactly. uh, that doesn't mean, Sean, I'm talking to you, doesn't mean I'm going to stop picking on you. So. No, that's, uh, they need to be picked. <laughs> you know, accountability is important. And I want a council that's holding our mayor accountable. Yep. Uh, I, that's holding our city government accountable. And we have a responsibility to hold the council uh, accountable. Uh, you know, a lot of folks are there are not. I don't think it's a majority, but I mean, there are a number of folks that are, you know, giving the council a hard time about this tax increase. Yep. And I think it's important for those voices to to be heard, but also recognizing that there is a variety of opinions and they're, they're doing the best they can to discern what is the best for this city oftentimes around topics that they have no training or background right. in. You know, uh, like I said, land use, zoning, water, you know. Yeah, the, and they're complicated issues. They and are. I think that a uh, couple of things come to mind from that comment, and I think they're important. And like I said, we can't unpack them all today. But mm -hmm. the, you know, Nashville also is, is horribly underserved in a, a vocal press. Right. We don't have any oppositional press of any, not of any stature anyway. No. There's little teeny folks uh, 
like Jay and I or Tennessee Holler or some people like that. They're really just individuals having an opinion, right. but not really representing a an investigative uh, free press that could open up some of these issues and expose them. We have some great work done at the Tennessean, mm-hmm. but and and really honestly, our, probably our best is our public radio and public television. Right. Probably do the best job of being. Um, a voice there. The problem there is, of course, that we have a very blue city mm-hmm. reported on by very blue reporters, and that so we have a you know we get a little bit of echo chamber, even in our press. Sure. So we could use a little bit of oppositional press um, to open some things up. Part of being a bigger city means these issues are complicated, and you need some experts to come chime in, write about it, and talk about it, and not be so damn scared that they're going to offend the mayor or their council person that they'll actually talk about these things directly. Right. Agreed. All right. So we're out of time, which we could do this all day because it's fun for us, but the, and we will continue doing it until everybody falls asleep. Uh, that uh, is a potential that was about listener. Minutes ago, right? That was for the people listening to this episode. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really funny because we record this at my, in the office at my house right now. And I can actually hear, people snoring in the other room right now. So they obviously <laughs> were listening in. So, but hey, listen, we're going to continue having fun, loving our city and talking about our city. Hopefully you are safe, wearing your mask, going out, living your life, but doing it six feet apart from everybody around you with a cloth mask on. Absolutely. Y'all take care of yourselves and have stay safe. Week. Have a great week. Thanks. Thanks.